Having more than one talent doesn't make you wishy-washy, confused all over the place. It can in some ways make your brand more interesting. Namaste and welcome. I'm Vettina Blumenthal and you're listening to the Soul Compass Podcast. The place for creative minds and soulpreneurs just like yourself to find your inner calm and deepen your self-discovery journey. You'll learn practical tips from experts and get inspired to enhance your mental and emotional well-being. Turn off your notifications, put your phone on airplane mode for this episode. It's time to focus and renew your commitment to yourself. Are you ready to take your passion and turn it into your dream business? Or are you a wellness and spiritual entrepreneur that's ready to take your biz to the next level? The first step is taking our free brand alignment audit where you'll discover your unique strengths and opportunities to optimize your wellness brand. With this step-by-step guide, you'll tap into greater confidence, abundance, and alignment with the soul of your business. You can find the brand alignment audit for free on aligncreativeminds.com. Back in the day when you finished school, it used to be the norm to go out and get a job, maybe that same job that your parents did, and you do that job for the rest of your life. Nowadays, there are so many different options. There are so many different paths you can take to earn money and build a successful career that sometimes it can be really hard to choose just one thing. For some of us, choosing one thing seems nearly impossible because there might be so many things we truly love doing. That's myself included. So what if you don't have to choose? What if you could embrace the multi-passionate creative experience instead of trying to force yourself into one tiny box? My guest today is the brilliantly creative Deanna Joy from Joy Knows How. Finding herself in the predicament of having too many passions to narrow down to one career. She felt paralyzed by having to choose just one thing. So she decided to put all of herself onto a blog. Everything she loved, everything about Deanna Joy. And it's no mistake that her middle name is Joy because Joy is at the heart of everything she does. By choosing herself and honoring her energy, she was empowered to start functioning with clarity, enabling her business to grow and pivot organically to where it is today. Deanna Joy is a multi-passionate blogger, educator, community builder, and content creator who believes having many passions is a gift, not a burden. Her mission is to rewrite the narrative around choosing one thing, being the only path to success. Through her content, live workshops, and upcoming course, Finding Focus, Joy teaches multi-passionates how to make friends with focus craft impactful personal brands, and live a life of creative abundance. She has a wicked online shop and can also serenade you with beautiful music. So if you find yourself wanting to do so many things and not knowing how to focus on just one, then this episode is absolutely for you. Deanna Joy shares four ways in which you can turn that confusion into clarity and start honoring your creative energy and operate in alignment with your true self. 
I know this episode is going to encourage you and inspire you to figure out what the multi-passionate experience looks like for you. It's time to embrace everything that you are. Diana, thank you so much for joining us on the Soul Compass podcast today. Actually, I should say Diana Joy, thank you. <laughs> We're so happy to have you on the show today and diving into one of my favorite topics, especially as a multi passionate identified entrepreneur. <laughs> I know a lot of your content and your website is Joy Knows How, and I'm curious to know how you got there. Sure. So thank you so much for having me. I'm super excited to chat today. There's nothing that I love talking about more than the multi-passionate creative experience. So my first name is Diana, and my middle name is Joy. And there's a couple of reasons why my business name and my blog and my website are called Joy Knows How. And I'll take you through kind of how I ended up there. So first of all, to be fully transparent, the internet does not like apostrophes. And my first name is Diana. So it's D apostrophe capital A-N-A. So there's still, you know, to this day when I'm entering a form or something and I write my first name and then it says error, like, need to update your name and it's like that is my name I can't like change the spelling of my name so that happens you cannot register domain names with apostrophes in them you would think that we've like made enough advances in technology that this wouldn't be an issue but it is maybe that's a gift in disguise because I really identify with my middle name of joy it does lend itself well to my overall demeanor I'm kind of an optimistic person by default. Um, I have a lot of kind of like that fire energy and Sagittarius moon and sun. So, (laughs) and so when I was getting ready to start my blog and I wanted to figure out a way as this super creative person, as this multi-passionate person, I always felt like a little bit of shame about it. It was almost like I have all of these talents and all of these gifts but I'm lacking focus and I'm lacking direction and I'm lacking uh, the knowledge of how am I going to ever be successful or take these talents that I have and turn them into something that can build into its own empire and help other people. I never really knew how to do it. And there were so many well-meaning people in my life who would say, you know, you should pursue music because I sing and I compose songs on the ukulele. So there was a lot of people in my life who felt like, you know, if you don't go after a music career, like you're really missing out. Or other people would say, you should be writing a book because my degree is in English and I'm a creative writer. And so there were a lot of well-meaning people in my world who were urging me to pick what I was going to do and focus in on it so that I could be successful. Well, the more I tried to do that, the less empowered I felt. So when I would try to focus on music, I felt like I was leaving other parts of myself on the back burner. Um, When I would focus only on maybe crafts or wanting to make handmade things and get those out into the world, then I would feel like there was another part of myself that wanted to teach and educate. And that was on the back burner. So I realized the whole methodology of choosing one thing really was kind of making me feel almost like paralyzed by having to make that choice. And so I woke up one day, literally like this, like I woke up one day and I was like, you know, choosing one thing, figuring out what my path is, isn't working for me. 
I'd like to try the opposite. And so I set on a path to figure out how can I embrace as much as myself as possible? And the answer to that question ended up being, I'm going to put all of myself onto a blog. I'm just going to dump it onto a blog. I'm not going to niche my blog. I'm going to talk about whatever I want. And then as I was thinking about what I wanted to call it, I thought, you know what? I'm going to call it Joy Knows How because I wanted this blog to be a space where I shared everything I knew how to do without any kind of really like strain on that or confinement. I wanted complete creative freedom and creative control. And so in the earliest days of my blog, I was writing essays about food, like how much I love food. I would do recipes. I was doing home decor plant care, random realizations that I was having. And I just let myself go into that. And I didn't have the website I have today. It was just a blog. It was like, join us It was just articles, you know, but it was the first time where I felt empowered because I was choosing myself. That's how that name came to be. And kind of organically as a snowball effect, that's how my business came to be because I wrote a blog post called It's Time to Start Celebrating Multi-Passionate Creatives. And it was like I had never, you know, when you when you first start blogging, if you, I don't know if you've blogged, if you have any listeners who've blogged, this is something that happens really organically. You first start blogging and you blog about whatever kind of things. And then you realize organically like, oh, I love to talk about this. I could write about this over and over and over. You kind of get a feel for what topics really, really draw you in and pull more of you out. And that's what writing about the multi-passionate experience felt like. So after that blog post, the trajectory of turning my blog into a business began. That's beautiful. And when did you start the blog? I started my blog in 2017. Wow. So you've been doing it for three years now. And, you know, I think that's one of the biggest things, especially if you resist the typical nine to five. And I find creative souls tend to, uh, especially being in confinement. But it's beautiful that you just started and you're like, you know what? I'm just going to be me. And it sounds like when you really stepped into honing that gift of being multi passionate and rather than having shame or guilt about it, and, you know, I, I experienced the same thing. I, you know, I have family members or friends that are like, Fatini, you just need to focus on one thing. And it is really confusing and really difficult. And yeah, I just think it's beautiful that you, that you were able to just start. And the whole thing about being an entrepreneur is like pivoting and seeing what works and what doesn't work. And you just need to start sometimes. So I love that you mentioned that. I'm really curious because my 2019, I had so many moments of burnout, right? So this is this is one thing that, you know, can be a struggle when you're multi-passionate because my life was very complicated. So my word for 2019 was simplify. And then I did a lot of that. I did a lot of simplifying. And then when 2020 rolled in, I was like, I got to focus. COVID has been a little bit of a blessing in a, in a weird way because you had no choice but to focus because I wasn't distracted by social engagements and traveling or my typical schedule. And this is kind of why I was really excited to bring you on the show today because it can be really, really difficult for multi-passioned entrepreneurs to figure out which project requires attention. 
I think this might be a great segue into sharing your four ways to turn confusion into clarity. Yes. Let's dive in and let's talk about it. And I first want to give full transparency. I'm actually still working a nine to five um, as I build my business, even though I started my blog three years ago, because three years ago when I started my blog, it was a blog. It was a passion project. It was something I had to do for myself. And as you said, there's so much pivoting that can happen. So I started off, you know, coaching and then doing other things and having a nine to five and having a support job, as I like to think of it, has allowed me the freedom and the grace to pivot in my business so that I can land exactly where I need to land in order to feel fully empowered in building a business that honors my energy. And I think sometimes one thing I don't hear enough people um, talking about and honoring is that it's okay to build your business while you have a support job. And I just want to really give anyone listening that insight into my own journey so that everyone can feel empowered, whether they're full-time in their business or whether they're just, you know, starting to get that idea and that, that urge or whether they are building their business um, alongside working a nine to five. It's, it's all beautiful. And I really feel entrepreneurship is a, is a mindset and an intention. That is such a great disclaimer. And thank you for the vulnerability and transparency. At the end of the day, you said it so beautifully and clearly. If you're struggling financially, you can't really, like if this is your passion, this is your baby, it's really hard to stay in energetic alignment if your survival needs are not met. So I think it's Marie Forleo that talks about bridge jobs. It's like you're still working that job to pay your bills so you can fully embrace your creativity. Your, your creativity is not drained because you're not scared about where your income's coming from. So yes, thank you, Joy. I appreciate you. I really appreciate you saying that. Absolutely. So now that being said, let's go ahead and dive into the topic at hand. So we're going to talk about four ways to turn confusion into clarity as a multi-passionate creative. And again, I want to say another disclaimer is that I am an educator who really, really grounds himself by learning along with my community. So these tips that I'm going to give and these insights that I'm offering, this is not to say that I don't also lean on these at times. I go through this as well. The multi-passionate experience can be very cyclical because we start various projects over and over. So never feel bad if you're like, well, I've already went through this once. That's okay. You may come to this again as I have many, many times. So the first step in turning confusion into clarity is a multi-passionate. This is what I call a grounding yourself in creative confidence, having creative confidence. And what does that mean? Well, that means owning your gifts and feeling good about the fact that you're a multi-passionate creative. Now, if you are a multi-passionate creative person, but you're looking at your passions as distractions, um, if you're a multi-passionate creative person, but you in some ways 
wish that you only had a few talents so that you didn't have all of these options in front of you, or if you are plagued by the phrase, jack of all trades, master of none, then this is the first step for you. This step is cultivating creative confidence and feeling good about being multi-passionate. This is a mindset shift more than anything else. And so let me offer some perspective that can help you get there in owning your gifts. First of all, as we listen to that phrase, Jack of all trades, master of none, multi-passionate. We can feel like, dang, that's a lot of shade coming our way. But the full phrase actually reads, jack of all trades, master of none, though oftentimes better than master of one. Many people don't know that that's the full phrase because it's used out of context. So when that phrase was coined, that was during a time where in your village, you know, you had people who were the shoemakers or the bread bakers, and they had their very specific vocation kind of in your small village. But if there was already a shoemaker in your village, and that was the only thing you knew how to do, now you have no work. The end of that phrase, though oftentimes better than master of one, was to say, if you know more than one trade, you're actually going to be more valuable to your community, to your village. You're going to have more of a chance of contributing because you have more than one trade. So that alone is a great way to shift your perspective. Having more than one talent doesn't make you wishy-washy, confused all over the place. It can in some ways make your brand more interesting. It can give people multiple points of entry to you because you can share multiple parts of your personality. It can help you to create an offer that really feels unique because you're able to merge your passions. So starting to think in this more inclusive way about your talents can help you to own your gifts and root into that creative confidence. Another way to stay confident in your creativity is to accept the fact that being a multi-passionate person is a way of life. It doesn't have so much to do with what you are doing. So it's interesting because sometimes you can think, oh yeah, I'm multi-passionate. Well, that means that I should be actively performing my music. I should have my own, you know, clothing out there because I love to do that. I should have some kind of home decor business going because I love home decor. No. One of my favorite analogies for being multi-passionate is all your passions have a seat at the table, but they don't all have to talk at once. You get to control who speaks at what time. Being a multi-passionate person is a part of what you are grounding yourself in, knowing that about yourself, knowing that at any point you can dig into your well of creativity to find solutions to problems, et cetera, et cetera. It does not mean that you have to have multiple businesses happening at once. So that's a part of having creative confidence is knowing that even if you do choose right now, I'm going to focus on this book that I'm writing. It doesn't make you less of a musician or less of an artist or less of a home decor or, you know, whatever that is. So that's step number one is bringing yourself to a feeling of, you know what, having these talents is a good thing. And I want to point out too, because I, I love that you pointed out honoring all of your multi-passionate gifts and, and passions, not having to do it all at once. But even for you, as an example, using it within your brand, you talking about music, you talking about the things you love, even if it's food, that makes you even more relatable to someone and it helps you connect with your audience at an even deeper level because I feel like I got in 
a little bit into Deanna Joy's world. And it makes me want to follow you. It makes me want to connect with you and learn more about you. It's so true. Thinking about your multiple talents and gifts and passions as multiple points of entry for your audience can be a great way to reframe and to stop looking at your passions as distractions and really start seeing them for the gifts that they are. Love it. So number one, creative confidence. Yes. Number one, the first step in turning confusion into clarity is Developing a strong foundation of creative confidence and owning your gifts, for sure. I love it. And number two? Number two would be embracing wherever you are along your creative journey. And I have a super fun analogy for this. The more we speak, the more you'll know I love analogies. So as you're embracing your multi-passionate journey, there's usually a few stages. And I like to define this in a concept I developed called the Joy Knows How Froyo Method. So <laughs> think back to a time when the world was open and maybe it's a hot summer day and you want some Froyo. So you head over to the Froyo shop. What's the first thing you do when you walk into a frozen yogurt shop? I think look at flavors. Look at flavors and then what do you grab like to try them out? Oh, the little spoon or the cup? The little taste of Oh, the cup, mini right? cups. The yeah, little mini yeah, yeah, cups. Yeah. Okay, great. Exactly. When you walk into a frozen yogurt shop, the first thing that you do is you grab this little taster cup and you go and you start testing things out. You're like, oh, this is good. Oh, wow. Oh, that's super tart. Or, oh, this tastes good, but the aftertaste is weird. And you spend some time trying out flavors. So this is what I call the little cup phase of being multi-passionate. And this is the phase where you are trying things out. You're picking things up. You're putting them down. You are committing to being non-committal during this phase. So many multi-passionates don't do this. They try something out and feel like if they don't commit, no one will take them seriously. They can't focus. They're never going to be successful. And so they're committing to something that really in reality, they may have only been meant to test out. So that's super duper important for turning confusion into clarity. Embrace that little cup phase for what it is. After you are in the little cup phase in the frozen yogurt shop, you taste different things. You're tasting all these flavors. You're tasting combinations. And you intuitively know when you're ready to grab your big cup. You go and you grab your big cup. And very rarely do you take that big cup and fill it with one flavor. Typically, you're taking that big cup and you're putting your beautiful magical combination of flavors and even some toppings, sauces, whatever, before you take it to the register to purchase. No one in the frozen yogurt shop is looking at you and saying, how dare you come in here and try flavors before you just know what you want? And why would you put more than one flavor in your big cup? No one does that. No one's shaming you at the yogurt shop. But when it comes to creating businesses and living our lives as multi-passionate people. It's like everyone wants us to niche down out of the womb and that's just not the multi-passionate experience. So helping to turn confusion into clarity, embrace these various phases. It's okay if you're not quite sure exactly how your business is gonna manifest itself. It's okay if you're still figuring out how to integrate more of your passions or which ones of your passions are going to be in starring roles or supporting roles. It's okay if you are still in a phase of your experience where you want to give yourself the grace to not commit. That's okay. But the lack of being able to accept that and embrace that can really, really set us back. This also has a lot to do with what we were kind of mentioning before of that pivoting feeling, letting yourself pivot. We are simply in 
a phase in our life or in our business where maybe we need to just accept that we're in that little cup phase and we're still trying things out. And even just recognizing your capacity, because capacity is a huge part of this entrepreneurial, multi-passionate entrepreneurial journey. Because at, at one point, you know, I've been an entrepreneur since I, I finished school, eight years, and the most businesses I had at once was three. At one point, I disappointed a business partner or I was not taking enough time for myself. But a lot of the time, and this is where, you know, even if you took the little cup and you went to a big cup, sometimes the big cup might not even be the right place to be anymore. And that, that's what happened to me. It was my pride that got in the way of me actually just saying, Vettina, this is not for you anymore. And it, it was my passion. It was what I wanted to do. But a lot of what was getting in the way was also draining my bank account. And as an entrepreneur, you kind of you do want to look at your ecosystem and your income streams that are coming in. And if, you know, after a few years, it still is draining your bank account, you might need to reassess which income stream you might need to give a little bit more love to and how can you still incorporate your passions of what you have, maybe in that other business, how can you incorporate it into this part of your business? And being able to say, you know, there's been times where even I thought I had my big cup and then I got to the bottom and I was like, you know what, this flavor is, I cannot eat any more of this. Like I am just, I'm over this. But being able to look at that and see the gift in that in retrospect is so powerful. For the third tip, I'll get into a little bit more of the tangible. So more of an actionable uh, kind of step. So we're talking about turning confusion into clarity and Because I am a community builder and I have a Facebook group of over 450 multi-passionates and I'm constantly asking, what's everyone struggling with? What do you need the most support with? The number one thing that always comes up is focus. And so I shared this teaching inside of my Facebook community and I also have a blog post on it and I want to share it here because this will help bring the concept of focus from this abstract and kind of make it a little bit more approachable and it's more of an actionable tip. So if you want to turn confusion into clarity in a very concrete way, like on a day-to-day basis, I invite your listeners and I invite you guys to, to think about focus as these three different types. Okay. So we'll go over these relatively quickly. And then uh, if you want any, any, other information or to have it in written form, we'll link to the blog. So the first type of focus is called intensive focus. And this level of focus is where you are taking maybe a whole afternoon and blocking off a whole day if you can, or like this is like after your kids are asleep or before they wake up when no one needs you, when you can be completely with yourself and with your ideas and you have this intensive focus time. And this is when you set the big picture goals. You look at the big picture, you zoom out and you spend some uninterrupted time really, really dreaming, planning, and thinking about your big picture goals. Sometimes as multi-passionates, and I am literally talking about myself, we get an idea and we are like ready to go, but we haven't taken the time to sit with intense focus for an entire afternoon and look at, okay, how does this idea play into the whole? 
what does this feel like three months from now? What does this look like six months from now? Skipping the intensive focus step. And I'm, I've learned this the hard way so many times. Same here. Like so many times. But skipping this intensive focus step can leave you with a bunch of projects that don't have a funnel or like you said, they're not really helping out your bank account in the end, or maybe they could have just been like something that you did and shared with your family. And that would have been more than enough, but all of a sudden you've got like a whole brand that you built. So taking time to carve out intensive focus and look at the big picture and literally asking yourself, what does this idea look like in three months? What does this idea look like in six months? What does this idea look like in 90 days can be very, very helpful. And some quick tips for intensive focus. When you're setting out this time to have this uh, full afternoon, get everything you need. Get some good music, light an inset, get some snacks, like get everything you need. Get a notebook, have everything you need around you because you want this to feel like you are in a very comforting, safe space where you have everything you need and you don't need to take a ton of breaks. Thinking of it as your own personal conference can be a really cool way to look at it. So that's the first type of focus. The second type of focus is called active focus. And this is the kind of focus where you are doing the thing. Whatever your work looks like, this is when you're doing the work. So for me, this is when I'm writing the blog post, you know, on the podcast interview, whatever that is. It's when you're actually doing the thing. So that's the next kind of focus. So we've talked about intensive focus where you almost are having like a whole afternoon, thinking of it as a full day conference uh, for yourself. Active focus, this is where you want to work in more short spurts of time followed by a break. And you want to keep this really, really distraction-free as well. But the main thing about this is knowing when your energy lends itself well to this kind of focus. So if you know that around three o'clock, your energy kind of dips and you don't have the same spunk that you do between, you know, maybe like 10 a.m. and 12 p.m., do not schedule your active focus time for the evening because it's not going to work for you. It's going to be really, really difficult for me. Uh, like I work a nine to five and a lot of people, you know, will stay up late and work on their side business after work. Not me. Nighttime is self-care time. I got to play with my dog. I got to eat dinner, take a bath, relax, spend time with my partner, whatever that looks like. So I love to wake up early. I'll wake up at 6am. And if I can get two hours of active focus in before I start my work day, I am in a better mood at work because I've taken care of myself first and I just feel really, really good. I'm more clear. Like my house is more quiet. It's earlier in the morning. That works for me. That's when I would want to do that active focus. So again, this is to help bring the, the concept of focus out of the abstract and into the more concrete by looking at focus as there are so many different ways and types of focus that you can use at different times instead of feeling like there's this overall overarching concept of focus that you just somehow need to figure out. So working with active focus can be as simple as making a list of, if you work a nine to five, maybe it's just one thing you want to accomplish that day and having that be the main piece of it. If you have uh, the grace to have a full day to plan out, then you can do like the big three method and have your top three things and then a couple bonus activities after that. And I love to use the tomato timer for this, which is like the Pomodoro method where you work in 25 minutes and then you take like a five or 10 minute break. 
and you can go to tomatotimer.com and put that on. Again, this is a distraction-free kind of focus, very, very energetic. You might want to get like a little caffeinated if you're into caffeine, you know, listen to some binaural focus music in your headphones, whatever it looks like for you. But this is when you're like doing the work, you're doing the thing. When you say distraction-free, what are some of the things that you do for yourself to stay focused and avoid all distractions? One of the best ways to avoid distractions is to use that tomato timer. And that's because when you see that you have a break coming up, you can say to yourself, if you're reaching your, to your phone to check Instagram and that timer hasn't gone off, you're like, okay, you know what? I've got 10 minutes left. I'll check Instagram on my break. You know, or if someone texts you or something like that, or you just remembered that you need to text someone back. So here are my top tips for eliminating distractions. Number one, turn off your notifications. So if you're working on your computer, like you don't need to have your text messages pop up on your computer. You can turn those off on Instagram. I haven't had notifications pop up from my Instagram for like years. So you can turn those off. They'll be available to you when you check that. Same with Facebook or any other social media app. So that's the number one thing. Number two, get a blank sheet of paper and put it next to you when you're working. So if an idea pops into your head, you can quickly write it down and then continue your work. Or if you love post-its for that, you can do it on post-its. If you use an app, like I, I just started using the Things app and I can quickly just boom, type something on my keyboard and it'll pop up a little note. I can enter whatever's on my mind and it'll disappear. So find a way to just offload these one-off things that pop into your head when you're working. So active focus can be a real hard state to get into at times, because like I said, this is when you're kind of doing the work. And as creative people, this is not always the most fun stuff. So, you know, it might be really fun for us to design our emails, but, you know, building out the funnel and looking at the nitty gritty can be kind of tedious. So another thing that really, really helps is before you enter active focus, remember your why. Root into like, why am I doing all of this? This can be done by creating a personal manifesto and hanging it up and then reading it out loud before you start your active focus. This can be having a vision board. You can kind of see mine back there that you stand in front of and, and just absorb like, oh yeah, okay, yeah, this is why I'm doing this. Really, really understanding why you're about to sit there, eliminate all these distractions and intensively work you know, for whatever that chunk of time looks like for you, that can be really important. Amazing. Thank you for sharing those tips. I always love hearing the new technology and how everyone else's brain works. So we have intensive focus and active focus. And let's talk about my favorite. This is the third kind of focus. So again, we're talking about how to turn confusion into clarity. And, and one of the ways is to bring focus out of the abstract and into the concrete and to start looking at it as a tool that you can work with. So the third kind of focus is called passive focus. And this <laughs> is the kind of focus where on the days where you just can't even, you're like, I just can't. I can barely adult today. I cannot you know, I can't do anything else, let alone, you know, just take care of the, the bare minimum. And on those days, you might need a true break where you don't even think about your business. That might be what you need. But if you're in a state of wanting to maintain your focus and continue to build momentum, you can still do that in a passive way. So this looks like going to a webinar, listening to a podcast, 
you know, finding a new hashtag on Instagram to follow that's being populated by people in your industry. It could even be scrolling on social media, looking at, you know, meeting people and engaging with people who are doing what you want to be doing or in your field. Passive focus are these things that you can do that help keep whatever your goal is at the top of mind, but it doesn't involve that active focus energy and it doesn't involve that intensive focus energy. Passive focus is like listening to music that gets the lyrics of your dreams stuck in your head. You know, sometimes you listen to a song and you're like, how do I know all the lyrics of this song? I've never, you're like, I don't even know. When did I even first hear It's because at some point you passively just picked that up and you stored it in your mind. So listening to a, you know, a podcast, there's so many wonderful ones, just like the one you're listening to now about whatever topic it is, is a great way to use passive focus. Watching a TED talk is a great way to do passive focus. Even um, browsing through your previous work can be very nice and passive. Just looking over like the last few blog posts that you did or just kind of grazing through your website and looking at the design and making notes of things you want to change or things you really like. They're not really money generating activities necessarily. They don't require the same kind of energy and attention as doing the work or even planning, but you're still in a passive state of of, uh, focusing on whatever your goal is. So embracing those three types of focus, I really think can be a great starting point to help turn confusion into clarity. I couldn't talk about, you know, these four tips without including, I know that was kind of a long stretch, but focus is that thing that multi-passionate struggle with the most. So I did want to spend some time. No, I appreciate that. And also giving tangible tips is super helpful for the listeners. So we appreciate that. I guess we're on to our last number four. Yes. My last tip of turning confusion into clarity is to find a community that understands you and to lean on that community. I'm very biased because I'm a community builder. Like I said, I have a Facebook community and I'm actually going to be moving my community off of Facebook onto a new platform, which is this is my new Big Cup project that I'm really excited about. But finding that community of people who understand you and who are not judging you just because you have more than one passion or more than one idea, who are not going to roll your, their eyes every time you talk about something new that you want to try or something new that you've discovered is extremely powerful. There is no shortage of online communities available. Of course, I'm going to plug my own because it is built for multi-passionate creatives. And I am the mentor and educator there. And I'm coming from a space of being multi-passionate every single day. Like my blood type is like multi-passionate creative. So (laughs) I love it. And where can the listeners actually check that out? So right now the community is still on Facebook and anyone is welcome to join for free. I will be moving us off of Facebook onto a different platform and then it'll be more like a paid community that you'll be able to have access to like my courses and my live workshops once you once you decide to join uh, this new collective space that I'm building. But for right now, I would absolutely love to welcome anyone into our free Facebook group because that's a great way to get to know me, my work, get access to live trainings, 
and to ask questions and talk and, and experience what it's like to be in a space where you're surrounded by people who all identify as multi-passionate creatives. I started the Facebook community because launching my blog felt good, but there was still something missing. Uh, that community aspect was missing. So that's why I started the Facebook community. It's currently called the Creative Abundance Tribe. Again, it's going to be getting a little bit of a, um, a rebrand, but that's what it is right now. And we can definitely link to it in the show notes. And it's a free space right now if listeners are listening in real time. Over the next few months, I'm going to be transitioning out, but it'll still be open for the time being. Also, joining my email list can definitely feel like you are becoming a part of a community because I'm speaking directly to the multi-passionate creative as a multi-passionate creative. So that can also be a great space to feel held. Uh, knowing that you're being spoken to from that space. But I always urge people to come into the Facebook group to engage with one another and ask questions and really start to get that community energy going. Beautiful. And, you know, I think that a lot of our, our listeners would like, I know they're going to find a lot of value from this episode. You really went deep and I'm learning so much and also there's like a little bit of ease that I'm feeling in my body from just the acceptance of being multi-passionate and you know I, th I thought I did a lot of work around it but I already feel more at ease at the end of this conversation and I think that our listeners one would love to connect with you over Facebook but is there anything that you're working on over the next few months that you think they might also dig? There are a few things. So you're welcome to follow me on Instagram. I'll be the first to say that I love a good social media cleanse. So I love Instagram for what it is, but I do not force myself to show up there consistently. I go off the app very frequently, delete it from my phone, and, and I kind of show up when I feel energetically aligned with it. But you're more than welcome to follow me there. And uh, my handle is Joy Knows How. Joy is spelled J-O-I, and there's a period in between each word. So that's how you can find me on Instagram. I am there. You can also join my email list. And the way to do that is by going to my Instagram and clicking the link in my bio. You can join from right there. But I would also absolutely love to offer your listeners my free Finding Focus workbook. So this is a seven-page workbook that I put together that's all about um, – helping to bring focus again out of the abstract into the more concrete and to help reprogram your subconscious to look at focus as a good thing. And so what we can do is we'll link to that in the show notes. And if you sign up to grab that workbook, then you'll automatically be on my email list to start getting uh, my weekly love notes as well. And that's my favorite way to, to keep in touch would be my email list. Beautiful. Well, Joy, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast today. It was such a delight to get to know you a little more. Thank you so much for having me. It was an absolute pleasure. That's a wrap for this week's episode. To stay connected between our episodes, you can head over to soulcompass.life and sign up for our newsletter to stay up to date on all things self-discovery. And please don't forget to hit subscribe in your podcast player right now so you never miss an episode. If this content inspired you even just a wee bit, please leave me a note telling me on iTunes. I read every one of your comments personally, and your feedback really helps me grow the show and produce the type of content you find valuable. 
Thank you again for dedicating time to your self-discovery journey. Not only are you contributing to your own mental and emotional well-being, but you are contributing to a healthier, more harmonious world and raising the consciousness of our planet. You, my friend, are amazing and beautiful just the way you are. Thank you for being part of our journey and thank you for letting us become part of yours.